Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. I love a good entrepreneur story, and today I have a great one for you. I have Kelly Thornton, the CEO of Tiege Hanley. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So excited to chat with you. Yes, same here. Got a little box of your products, gave them to my boyfriend to try out. He loves them. I have to say men's grooming. I think you were doing this before other people discovered that this was a thing and this was an area to get into. But before we get into T. Chanley, let's talk about how you got there. Yeah. You know, I I mean, are you born an entrepreneur or do you evolve (laughs) into one? I think, you know, I had very strong desire early on in my career to to have my own businesses. Took me a long time. I got in my first business painting business when I was in college. Mm -hmm. It was great because I lived in New England. And if you've ever been there, you know, like most of the houses are wood and they have to be painted every year. It's like that old New England style. It was really great because I was able to, you know, hire fellow college students and paint houses and make money. And it was a great experience. But right after I graduated, I went into corporate world and I spent 19 years there. So I really had a burning desire to just get back into owning my own business. And a bunch of things happened that made me really start down a path of thinking about owning my own business again, working on a business plan, and then eventually launching my second company, if we include the painting business, which was called Purchase Point. We're an in-store marketing company and um, had that business for a long time and really enjoyed it. Traveled all around the world with my clients with that business and had people that worked in the company in Asia and in the UK. So it was great, but I really had a burning desire. And that actually led and understanding like what was going on globally with men Mm -hmm. and how they were thinking about routines and their health and their skin really led me to T. Shanley. Yeah. Well, so you're from New England. Yeah. And you lived in New York for a a large part of your career. I was born and raised in Maryland, but I spent my high school and college in New England and very fortunate. I met my wife there at University of Connecticut. And then I was in New York for a couple of years right after I graduated. Mm -hmm. And then my boss, when I was in New York, my second or third year in business said, we've got a job for you in Chicago. And he said it to me, a lesson to be learned for all you listeners. He said (laughs) it like laughing and kind of slapping me on the back. And I'm like thinking, yeah, that's not really funny. And then he did it again. And I'm like, gosh, something's happening here. And then like it dawned on me, he was saying I was going to Chicago or I didn't have a job. You know, I just, <laughs> you know, being young, I just, it didn't quite connect with me right away. I got moved to Chicago. It was a great opportunity. It was a great opportunity for me to learn about a new city and to develop a new book of business. I was kind of in sales with this company and really enjoyed here. And my wife also is from New England, but she came here and we really thought Chicago and you've lived here too. Yeah. is a very livable city and a place that we could raise our family. And that's what we did. Yes. So awesome. 30 years here. Yeah. Very cool. So then you went into Purchase Point. Yeah. And did you see just a need in the market because of what you were doing in your corporate gig? And you said, oh, there's something here that I can make better. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We were an in-store design and strategy company. Mm -hmm. International Paper, which is my corporate job, was doing the design and strategy and the manufacturing. And I wanted to just focus on the strategy and help companies. I had a great opportunity to work with global CPG companies like Unilever and Dial and Pfizer and Bayer. Mars did a lot of work with Mars and Mars Pet Care globally to help them understand how consumers are shopping for the products and what to use in-store to help them engage with their customers 
customers when they come up with new whiskas cat formula or pedigree <laughs> dog food and like how consumers would be thinking about making a purchase. So really great experience. I loved it. It was to answer your question, you know, I felt like unfortunately big companies are somewhat can be thankless. Mm. I felt that I could accomplish just as much or more financially by doing it myself. It's a lot harder than you think, <laughs> but that's kind of where the idea starts from. Well, it sounds like your first company, your painting company when you're in college was, again, you saw something that people needed every year. You're yeah. able to hire other college kids. You got to make some money. Great. Moved into corporate. Then you started Purchase Point. Yeah. What were some of those pitfalls that you saw? Because I think a lot of us go back and forth between the entrepreneurship, corporate toggle. And I yeah. feel like entrepreneurship always wins, but it's really important for people who are about to step into that to understand everything they need to know because it's everything we don't know, right? We just right. go in like, we're just going to do this. Right. It's a four-letter word. So this one <laughs> four-letter word explains everything. The word is risk. It really boils down to the amount of risk tolerance that you have. I'm you know, very much a capitalist. So being an entrepreneur is all about how much risk that you can take and sustain to grow a business mm -hmm. and to both be satisfied professionally, but also, you know, be able to make ends meet with making enough money. And as you grow a business, you know, especially in the early years, you're under a high risk situation. You know, you need to hire people, you need to engage with vendors, you know, you need to do all these different things. And it's all about putting yourself at risk because it could fail and any moment. Businesses are very fragile. They're very, very fragile things. And even though, you know, T. Hanley is, is a substantial size company in terms of revenue, it's still very, very fragile. So that risk, that ability, that entrepreneur really needs to think about their risk tolerance and how much they're willing to put themselves out there. And I think since I brought up the capital concept, I think mm -hmm. that's why, you know, people do get rewarded for, you know, success. And of course, you don't hear about the millions of businesses that fail, yeah. but people do get rewarded for success and entrepreneurs and you're in California and know it is very entrepreneur mentality there, you know, very entrepreneur, but people that start companies, they work really hard and they are have high, they leverage themselves. And I think that's it. So I, you really need to self-assess. I mean, I'm in my mid fifties and I have zero income for retirement. I mean, I have like nothing. I have no 401k. I have nothing. The only thing I have is all the effort and time and money and value that I've created in my companies. So if my companies aren't successful, I will be working at Starbucks and, you know, Walmart or something for the rest of my life. Yeah. If my companies are successful, then, you know, hopefully I'll be able to retire someday and enjoy myself and whatever my definition of retirement is. So it's all about risk. Nice. Wow. That was such a great answer. And I love the fact that you brought up that it's not a dirty little secret, but it's something that, you know, a lot of us don't have that retirement income. Everything we do is based on what we can produce and how our companies are at this moment in time. And we saw a lot of changes, obviously, during the pandemic with things being shut down. But I think that also possibly could have been a market advantage. So I'd love for you to talk about what took you from purchase point to Tish Hanley. And yeah. how did that come about? I mean, obviously, you have this big background with working yeah. with CGs, working with different companies, seeing how they strategize about their products. So I, I'm sure that helped you out. But how did you decide to move to the next company and make men's products? Yeah. Focal point. So, you know, like 
in the 2000s, my same conversation I was saying, like the owner of the company, Andy, who was hitting me on the back saying, you need to go. And I was like, I didn't really get it. But in 2000s, I was like, a lot of these companies, especially the OTC pharma companies were talking about like personal health. They were talking a lot about it. And like mid 2000s, 2010, 15, 17, there was all this talk about, and I think a lot of it happened around the nationwide conversation around healthcare and Obamacare mm-hmm. when and it was all about like people taking more, even a higher level of responsibility for their health. And this means like not just relying on your doctor to do this. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to exercise regularly. You have to eat right. You have to start taking really personal, you know, responsibility for your health. And at the same time, I was seeing how guys were engaged in skincare around the world. And I was thinking to myself, this is insane. Like we're all a bunch of gorilla men here in America, <laughs> like using bar soap all, you know, on our hair and face. And like, there's gotta be a better way. So I really thought that creating healthy skincare routines was just part of like a healthy habits, like part of going to the gym regularly or going out for a walk regularly or mm-hmm. going mountain biking regularly or whatever it is that you're into. So that really was a trigger for me, this concept around personal health and routine building and skin health. To me, it was just like brushing your teeth, washing your face, moisturizing, protecting your skin against the sun's harmful rays. Yeah. Wow. So what did the roadmap look like to get your product? And it's very successful. I mean, you've shipped over 1.5 million boxes, yeah. probably way past that now. <laughs> We're approaching 2 million. It's a oh really gosh. big deal. We're going to hit yeah. 2 million this fall. I cannot, I mean, 2 million boxes and each box has five or six items into it. And so we've like packed and shipped like 10 million items. And by the way, we do it here. You know, we do it ourselves. Oh, wow. We don't outsource our packing. I mean, I think I'm like super excited about it. I, what was your question? Your prompt was... Yeah, um, what was the roadmap? Because there's so many things. I mean, the packaging, but yeah. for the packaging, what's the formula? What products did you decide to launch with and how did you expand? There's so, yeah. a million questions. I, I'll, I'll <laughs> you, but I tell you, you got me so like hyped up over the fact that I'm about to ship my 2 millionth box that I couldn't even think so about what your question that's about amazing. the roadmap. Personally, I would say to anybody that's like really thinking about, you know, your brand Amplified, starting a business. I mean, I think the roadmap really has got to start with like the sales side of the business. Like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to sell your product and what is going to be your differentiators? Yeah. And hopefully you have like something that's scalable. Hopefully you have something that has a large addressable audience. Mm -hmm. I was listening to the guys at True Classic. They're like burst on the scene a couple of years ago selling t-shirts and like, that's kind of hard, right? You got Hanes and Fruit of the Loom and The Gap and these and uh, another really great cuts and a whole bunch of other great. And they've just been incredible successful. So, you know, what's the size of the market? Well, all of men or all of women. (laughs) But I think having an understanding of how you're going to sell your product and what makes it unique. And even if you have a simple product like a t-shirt or we sell skincare, I mean, I don't think our product's very simple, but really understanding how you're going to sell your product and what makes you unique. That's job one. Like if you can't master that, like everything else really doesn't matter. That has to go into beyond that. For us, formulation, packaging, regulations, shipping, secondary packaging, And then you just start brick by brick by brick, building a company, hiring people, putting processes in place, having reviews, having methodologies for hiring people and doing things and putting financial structures in place and financial systems like SAP, NetSuite and all these different things in place. But it's got to start with how are you going to sell your product and what makes your product unique? 
And I love that you say that for sales because I will say that for brand. Like when I'm working with a client for PR or brand strategy, yeah, it gets them to sales, but I don't do sales, right? So I talk about what is your brand? What is your differentiator? What is your messaging? What is your customer persona? All the same things that you're talking about, but you're using actually, that. Yeah. Actually, I think they're like brothers and sisters. They are really the same thing. I mean, I'm just being slightly crass and saying sales. <laughs> I mean, you have to sell product yeah. or sell a service or something. Right behind that is the brand. Like, what do you stand for? Like, why would people even care about your brand? And actually, I'm going to post on LinkedIn something about about it tomorrow. I know this is coming out a little later than we're talking today. But, you know, I was reading this weekend about Allbirds brand. Mm -hmm. And I was reading about how they meant so much for sustainability and what made them so successful. And they kind of lost their way. And, you know, people are really buying Allbirds for that feeling of sustainability and clean living, et cetera, et cetera. Products are according... And this is all in the Wall Street Journal. Products mm-hmm. are not performing and they've lost a lot of their market share to some new brands. And, you know, at the end of the day, what they stood for, I don't know if that was enough to really get them to a place where they were going to be a sustainable company for a long time. So I think it's so important for your brand to be focused on what's important for your brand and staying with that, you know, and not getting too far off the track. I mean, our brand is all about helping men look and feel amazing. All we want to do is provide simplified systems that are affordable, really effective, and they're simple to use. And that's what we want to do day in and day out. So brand is definitely kissing cousin, brother and sister. It's the same thing as sales. You have to have a really tight brand. Yeah. So let's talk about your products and how you decided on your approach to sales and how you're in distribution. Yeah. Well, we're all DTC and we're in a couple of marketplaces like Amazon and Walmart. Hmm. I was very fortunate to meet an influencer early on and he was doing exactly what we've been talking about, Anika. He was really into helping guys understand how to have healthy routines, how to work out right, what to say in an interview, of course, how a significant other, you know, and all of these kind of etiquette things and Hmm. how to think about your life in a way that's productive. And he was really kind of teeing off the last cue. He was really our voice in the marketplace. He really helped us. His name's Aaron Marino and he's a very large YouTube presence called Alpha M. And he's just a great guy. He really is a genuine, empathetic guy that is really interested in helping men think about what it means to be a man today and to create healthy routines. So that was really early on. That was really how we got our voice in the market. Mm -hmm. From there, it's just creating formulas, creating the right distribution, all DTC and trying to get really good at it. And what made you decide to go direct to consumer versus be on shelves everywhere? I'm a control freak. I love the concept. (laughs) It's really not about control. It's really about the concept of having a relationship with the consumer. Mm-hmm. Like that is so meaningful to me. We have people call us all the time and give us feedback. Like, you know, I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I've never used these products and I'm getting compliments. My wife says I look great. Or I'm a 25 year old guy. I, I've been through this thing and I'm going through these life changes and I really enjoy, I love the smell of your product, these type of things. And I really enjoy like having a direct relationship with the customer, right? I mean, if you buy Dove from Target, you know, Dove plus men's care for your significant significant other, your son or daughter or father. And you know, you have a relationship with Target. Like you bought it at Target. If you yeah. don't like the product, you're not going to go back to Unilever and say, hey, Unilever, <laughs> I don't like the smell of this product. You're going to go back to Target and say, like, I don't really like this. So I think like that connection with the consumer is just so valuable to me. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I know I love a good subscription box. I didn't even know about this whole category that men would respond the same way. 
they respond differently than the way women do, but they are very interested in taking care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it helps that they get it delivered right to them. Like you say, going to Target, going to wherever, cut through everything that's on a shelf and figure out yeah. what's really going to work. Yeah. We're just a subscription company, but we're like what's called a modern day subscription. Mm-hmm. Like people can call us at any time, day or night and say like, I don't want this anymore. I don't like this product. And we say, fine, here's your money back. You don't like it. No problem. Can we change something for you? We do whatever the guys, whatever our customers want to make them happy. And it works really well for us. Yeah. yeah so let's talk about the market size. You talked yeah. about shipping your 2 millionth box. Yes. Wow. That's what got me all crazy a few minutes ago. I couldn't even think after you asked me about that. <laughs> and I know you said that everything that you have is invested in this company. Yes. What does the market look like? And how fast did it take you to get there? You know, it's been tough. I have a lot of empathy for business owners over the last several years. I mean, COVID was really, really hard on everybody in every way, shape or form. I think certain companies did really, really well during that. Other companies didn't do well. Other companies did really well during COVID, came out of COVID and like struggled afterwards, after COVID. And we've had a lot of issues with like this change in workforce and people want to like, you know, (laughs) I just want to work from the mountains of whatever or the beaches of Bora Bora. I mean, it's really hard to deal with all that. So for us, it's been just great. Every year we've been growing, you know, 15, 20% year over year. Our growth has been excellent. But we've had really tough years. I mean, we had years, we have not had any outside funding. So every dollar that we make, you know, we need to pay our bills to save up to pay bonuses, to pay salaries, pay health care. You know, every single dollar we make, we reinvest. And I think when you do a business like that, you think differently. Like you don't spend money foolishly. You know, every dollar you spend, you cherish. Every dollar you make, you cherish. So we've just been very fortunate to grow organically and sustain that growth with our sales. So, you know, to all you people out there listening, like it's really, really, really hard, but to the extent that you don't have to sell some of your company to get an investment, Mm -hmm. you know, is a really great way to do it if you can. Yeah. You know, so... Nice. Yeah. Well, and you are over eight figures at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I think at some point, I don't know if I'll be here or not, but you know, I think it'll be a couple hundred million dollar company. Wow. Yeah. Really impressive. You said when you're shipping these boxes, you're usually shipping five to six products. I looked on your website. I saw you have like an acne line and a yeah. regular line. Yeah. So where do you see it expanding to? Do you see adding additional products to your line? Yeah. When I said like focus before, I actually was talking rhetorically to myself because we expanded widely in the grooming products for men, like Mm -hmm. bar soaps, body wash, deodorants, blow the bell powder, lip balm, body lotions, and things like that. And they're all phenomenal products. We sell them all and they do very well for us. But our sweet spot is really the face and skincare for guys. So we are doing massive improvements to our acne box in 2024, we'll have a very significant improvement to our acne box. That's a huge market. It represents about 12% of our total sales. And I really want to do much better in acne and help have a very specific men's acne box. And we're going into more higher end, very specific face care things for guys, things that maybe women have thought of before, like retinol and niacinamide and different collagen formulas, but that guys are really new to guys like these Mm -hmm. concepts. 
concept. So <laughs> we have a brand new coming out right around the time of the show in September, October. We have a new retinol product and it's in a stick form, Ooh. which is really, really, really great for guys. Very easy to apply, super fast. You can really apply it quickly to areas of your face that could really benefit from skin firming and adding collagen and moisture to your face. So we have these great, really skin focused products coming out. Very excited about them. That just made me excited. Like, I want to try that product. Do you see a lot it's of crossover great. where women are starting to use the products or they're buying products for their husbands or boyfriends and then or their brothers? And then they're like, yeah. oh, I need these for myself. What happens is men start being engaged in the category from a significant other, typically, right. Right? and they don't realize they're engaging in it, <laughs> but they are. You know, some use some apricot scrub that was in the shower that belonged to their sister or their girlfriend or their mother put it in there or their spouse, and they're like, "Well, this is pretty good." So they get introduced potentially that way, but they really tend to buy themselves directly. Like they really okay. want to buy it for themselves. About eight percent of our population is probably women. Women, but of that population, you know, there's probably a high percent that are buying for a significant other. Got it. Got so, it. but my wife steals my stuff all the time, <laughs> which is like the reverse, right? Of what I'm saying. She's uses our facial serum and our nighttime moisturizer every day. It Very kind cool. of is annoying to me because I bring it home all the time and then I'm <laughs> looking for it. It's not on my counter and it's in like her vanity. So I'm like, I've got to take it back from her to use yeah. it. So it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Again, going back to the fact you're completely self-funded, you haven't taken out yeah. funding at all, but you also are cognizant of that while you see the company getting to 200 million, yeah, you still have to think about retirement in the future and where you're going to be. So do you yeah. see yourself selling the company someday to one of the big conglomerates that you used to work with on a sales and brand strategy side? Or Yeah, but I look at it through a slightly different lens. Like My lens is that I think I'm capable of taking the company to a certain level. I don't feel like I've reached where, how far I think myself and my current team can take it. We can take it quite a bit further. And then beyond that, there needs to be the next level of experience in the category and global experience and financial capital that could take it to a much better level. A much, much bigger level. That's the way I look at it. I think I'm working really hard to continue to build a really strong business and take it to as far as I think I can get it. And then I think I'd like for the company to be global brand. So I think, you know, somebody else has probably got to be a steward of the brand at a certain point to get it there. Right. And to that point, what percentage of your audience is global right now versus US or North America? 18%. Okay. So that's, yeah, so that's pretty sizable. Pretty significant. We yeah. ship to 108 countries. So every single day of the week, we're shipping <laughs> internationally. And it's great. And our international guys are really engaged with us. They oh, sure. really love our brand. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Is there anything that we have left on the table that aspiring entrepreneurs should be thinking about when they're thinking about their sales, their brand strategy to launch their product? Yeah. I'll do a couple of really quick things. Number one is I think it is all about brand. Yeah. And again, I lumped sales with brand. It is all about having a really tight understanding of what your brand stands for, 
why you exist, what you look like, why people want to be part of your brand. I mean, that is for sure critical. So really having a clear picture of that, or at least constantly working on what that looks like is really, really, really important. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, really take a deep assessment of your risk tolerance, Mm -hmm. right? Especially if you have goals to like build something pretty significant. If it's just you as an independent consultant, and which is phenomenal, no issue there. But if you're not impacting other people's lives and stuff, it, it could be slightly different. Yeah. And then I just say like cliche, just be prepared to work your ass off 24 <laughs> seven. I can't stand the concept of life work balance. It's just balance. Like the best you can hope for is balance. It's not a work life balance. It's just balance in your life. You know, mm-hmm. trying to spend the right amount of time with your loved ones, trying to spend the right amount of time on yourself personally, and a little bit to your friends and the rest of it to your work. Yeah. Well, tell me when you find out the secret to that balance issue. <laughs> you know, I absolutely don't have the answer to that, but I will tell you that I have a very, very positive relationship with my spouse and we've been married 30 years and she affords me the opportunity to be the best I can be at work every day. So I think, Fantastic. you know, if you can get that one down, you know, you stand a chance. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I know we have a discount code for our listeners. I'll put it in the show notes. It's tige.com slash your brand amplified. Correct. There's an awesome offer there. It's 30% off. It's really good. And for any men or women listening, and regardless if you try our brand or not, get on a healthy routine, wash your face, use a great moisturizer that has SPF to protect yourself against melanoma, or to at least give yourself a fighting chance and wash your face, moisturize at night. If you could do that, you'll have like 90% of it down and you really see great results. Fantastic. And Listeners can go to, again, teach.com forward slash your brand amplified to get that discount, teach.com to learn more. And on social media, is it the whole name or is it? It is. It's Teach Hanley. And Kelly, do you have any words that you live by? A mantra, a quote, a verse, a poem? Yeah, I have a few. few. (laughs) I'll give you one that's kind of like been the longest and only because my father put it on my bedroom wall. But here at Teach Hanley, I'll say we're not here to be average. We're here to kick ass. That's not the one that was on my wall. And I try to always be your best every day. I like what Charles Swindell said. He said, it's not the best looking or the strongest or the smartest, but those that are most able to adapt that survive. And I think that's true, like adaptability in life, especially what we've all as a nation has been through with everything with COVID and the fluctuations in the economy and everything that we've seen. Being adaptable is the secret to success. So just try to make yourself as adaptable as possible and understand that a lot of things are out of your control. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm definitely going to be getting more of your products for the men in my life. So thank you. Thank you. That's one of the things I love is I get introduced to new things all the time when I get to do these interviews. And when you're out here visiting your team in Redondo Beach, let me know. We'll go out for coffee. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. And you are a very successful podcaster. You've been nominated and I hope you win (laughs) for the best podcast, female podcaster you're nominated for. You you deserve it. Well, I appreciate that. And hopefully this will air slightly before the announcements are made. So I'll have to give an update. Yeah, we'll be excited. Yeah, We need to all stay tuned so we can find out what's going on. 
Awesome. And to the audience, thank you for listening to another amazing entrepreneur story, Kelly Thornton from Tej Hanley. And I'll be back again in a few days with some more expert advice for you. Want more? Check out amplifywithannika.com or follow me on socials at amplifywithannika.com.